0: Part one, chapter six and seven of Charles Rex by Ethel M. Dell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Six The Abyss. They sighted the English shore a few days later on an evening of mist and rain. The sea was grey and dim, the atmosphere cold and inhospitable. Just like England, said Saltash, she never gushes over her prodigals he was dining alone in the saloon with toby behind his chair larpent being absent on the bridge don't you like england sir said toby i adore her said saltash with his most hideous grimace but i don't go to her for amusement toby came forward to fill his glass with liqueur "Too straight laced, sir he suggested with the suspicion of a smile saltash nodded with a sidelong glance at the young face bent over the decanter too limited in many ways my toby he said but at the same time useful in certain emergencies a stern mother perhaps but a wise one on the whole you for instance she will be the making of you a slight tremor went through toby he set down the decanter and stepped back of me sir he said saltash nodded again he was fingering the stem of his glass his queer eyes dancing a little "We've got to make a respectable citizen of you, somehow," he said. "Do you think that matters, sir?" said Toby. Saltash raised his glass. "You won't always be a boy of sixteen, you know, Toby," he said lightly. "We've got to think of the future, whether we want to or not." "I don't see why, sir," said Toby. "You see, you're young," said Saltash, and drank with the air of one who drinks a toast. Suddenly he turned in his chair, the glass still in his hand our last night on board he said with a royal gesture of invitation you shall drink with me toby's face flushed burningly he hung back not not from your glass sir he said not liqueur why not afraid mocked saltash toby was silent his hand closed involuntarily upon the back of his master's chair the flush died out of his face saltash sat and looked at him for a few seconds still with that dancing gleam in his eyes then abruptly he moved rose with one knee upon the chair lifted the glass to toby's lips afraid he said again speaking softly as one speaks to a frightened child toby raised a hand that sought to take the glass but closed instead nervously upon saltash's wrist he drank in response to saltash's unspoken insistence looking straight at him the while then oddly he smiled no not afraid sir he said only lest i might not bring you luck oh don't fret yourself on that account said saltash i'm not used to any luck toby's eyes widened i thought you had everything sir he said saltash laughed and set down the empty glass au contraire mon cher he said i am no richer than you are like Tantalus, I can never quench my thirst. Like many a better man than I, I see the stars, but I never reach them. Does anybody, said Toby in the tone of one not expecting an answer. Saltash laughed briefly enigmatically. I believe some people soar, but they generally come down hard in the end, whereas those who always crawl on the earth haven't far to fall. Now look here, Toby, you and I have got to have a talk. "'Yes, sir,' said Toby, blinking rather rapidly. Saltash was watching him with a faint smile in his eyes, half derisive and half tender. "'What are you going to be, Toby?' he said. "'It all turns on that.' Toby's hand still gripped the back of his chair. He stood up, very straight, facing him. "'That is for you to decide, sir,' he said. "'Is it?' said Saltash, and again his eyes gleamed a little.' is it for me to decide yes sir for you alone there was no flinching in toby's look now his eyes were wide and very steady saltash's mouth twitched as if he repressed some passing emotion you mean just that he asked after a moment just that sir said toby with a slight quickening of the breath i mean i am at your disposal alone saltash took him suddenly by the shoulder and looked at him closely toby he said aren't you making rather a fool of yourself no sir swiftly with unexpected vehemence toby made answer i'm doing the only thing possible but if you if you if you well saltash said if i what if you want to get rid of me at any time toby said commanding himself with fierce effort i'll go sir i'll go and where to saltash's eyes were no longer derisive they held something that very few had ever seen there toby made a quick gesture of the hands and dropped them flat at his sides i'll get rid of myself then sir he said with sudden chill pride that won't be very difficult and i'll do it so that you won't even know saltash stood up abruptly Toby, you are quite unique, he said. Superb, too, in your funny little way. Your only excuse is that you're young. Does it never occur to you that you've attached yourself to the wrong person? No, sir, breathed Toby. You're not afraid to stake all you've got on a bad card, pursued Saltash, still curiously watching him. No, sir, he said again, and added with his faint unboyish smile i haven't much to lose anyway saltash's hand tightened upon him he was smiling also but the gleam in his eyes had turned to leaping fitful flame well he said slowly i have never yet refused a gift from the gods and there he stopped for suddenly drowning all speech there arose a din that seemed to set the whole world rocking and in a moment there came a frightful shock that pitched them both headlong to the floor saltash fell as a monkey falls catching at one thing after another to save himself landing eventually on his knees in pitch darkness with one hand still gripped upon toby's thin young arm but toby had struck his head against a locker and had gone down stunned and helpless the din of a siren above them filled the world with hideous clamor as saltash recovered himself damn them he ejaculated savagely do they want to deafen us as well as send us to perdition then very suddenly it stopped leaving a void that was instantly filled with lesser sounds there arose a confusion of voices of running feet a hubbub of escaping steam and a great rush of water saltage dragged himself up in the darkness sought to drag toby also found him a dead weight stooped and lifted him with wiry strength he trod among broken glass and plates as he straightened himself the noise above them was increasing he flung the limp form over his shoulder and began desperately to claw his way up a steep slant towards the saloon door and the companionway. sound and instinct guided him for the darkness was complete but he was not the man to die like a trapped animal while the most slender way of escape remained hampered as he was he made for the open with set teeth and terrible foreign oaths of which he was utterly unconscious whether that fierce struggle for freedom could ever have ended in success single-handed however was a point which he was not destined to decide for after a space of desperate effort which no time could measure there suddenly shone the gleam of an electric torch in front of him and he saw the opening but a few feet away saltash cried a voice piercing the outer din saltash here yelled back saltash still fighting for foothold and finding it against the leg of the table that you Larpent." how long have we got seconds only said larpent briefly give me the child no just give me a hand that's all hang on tight it'll be a pull saltash flung himself forward again his free hand outstretched slipped and nearly fell on his face then was caught up by a vice-like grip that drew him upward with grim strength in a moment he was braced against the frame of the door almost standing on it the saloon gaping below him a black pit of destruction larpent's torch showed the companion stairs practically perpendicular above them go on said larpent better give me the child it's you that matters get out damn you said saltash and actually grinned as he began to climb with his burden still hanging upon his shoulder larpent came behind him holding his torch to light the way they climbed up into a pandemonium indescribable a wild torrent of sound there was light here that shone in a great flare through billows of fog showing the monster form of a great vessel towering above them with only a few yards of mist-wreathed water between the deck on which they stood sloped upwards at an acute angle and still from below there came the clamor of escaping steam accompanied by a spasmodic throbbing that was like the futile beating of giant wings against titanic bars a knot of men were struggling to lower a boat by the ghostly glare that lit the night about them clambering and slipping against the rails while a voice from beyond the fog curtain yelled through a megaphone unintelligible commands all these things were registered upon saltash's brain his quick perception leaping from point to point with a mental agility that was wholly outside all conscious volition on his part he was driven by circumstance as a bird is driven by storm and he went before it undismayed missing no chance of refuge a life buoy hanging beside the hatch caught his eye as he glanced swiftly around and in a second he pounced upon it. Toby slipped from his shoulder as he bent and slipping awoke but he only lay and stared with dazed eyes at the man frantically unlashing the rope as one who looked on from afar. Then Larpent was with them again. He dragged Toby to his feet and in a flash saltash turned the life buoy on his arm. "What the devil are you doing?" Larpent pointed. "They've got the boat free." go while you can but saltash barely glanced across he put the life-buoy over toby's head and shoulders and began to wind the rope around him it did not need a glance to know that the boat would never get away at his action toby gasped and sudden understanding awoke in his eyes he dragged one arm free and made as if he would cling to saltash keep me with you sir he cried out wildly don't make me go alone saltash gripped the clutching hand dropping the end of rope it trailed down and larpent caught it flung it round saltash's body and knotted it while he was lifting toby over the rail then for a second saltash hung one hand still gripping toby's the other holding to the rail of his sinking yacht the two of them poised side by side above the abyss you'll save yourself larpent he cried i shall want you and with that, he turned suddenly to his shivering companion and actually smiled into the terrified eyes. Come on, Toby, he said. We go, together. He flung his leg over with the words and leapt straight downwards. Toby's shriek sounded through the tumult as they went into the grey depths. 7. Larpent's DAUGHTER the sinking of the night moth after being in collision with the liner Corf castle bound for brazil was an event of sufficient importance to be given a leading place in the newspapers of the following day lord saltash was well known as a private yachtsman and the first account which reported him amongst the drowned was received with widespread regret throughout that circle in which he was a familiar figure then at a later hour came its contradiction and his friends smiled and remarked that he had the facility of an eel for getting out of tight corners, and that they would never believe him dead till they had been to his funeral. Long before the publication of the second report, Saltash was seated in the captain's cabin on board the Corf Castle, with a strong brandy-and-soda before him, giving a brief and vigorous account of himself and his company. Yes, he was Charles Burchester, Viscount Saltash, owner of the private yacht, the Night Moth, he was returning from valrosa alone with his captain and crew they had been cruising the atlantic with the idea of going south but he had recently changed his mind and decided to go home he had not expected such damnable luck as to be run down in home waters but he supposed that fate was against him he only asked now to be put ashore as soon as possible being for the moment heartily sick of sea travel this with his most rueful grimace which captain beaumont of the Corf castle received with gravely official sympathy well i hope you don't blame us for your bad luck he said we might have been sunk ourselves i never blame any one but the devil for that said saltash generously and as you managed to pick us all up i am glad on the whole that you weren't and then he turned sharply at a knock on the door behind him to see a lean, lank man enter, who peered at him curiously through screwed-up eyes, as though he had never seen anything like him before. Captain Beaumont introduced him. This is Dr. Hurst. He has come to report. Well, doctor, I hope you bring good news. Dr. Hurst came forward to the table, still looking very attentively at Saltash. The latter's odd eyes challenged him with royal self-assurance. Well, what is the news? He questioned. Fished for a sprat and caught a whale, or is it t'other way round? The doctor cleared his throat and turned to the captain. Yes, my report is good on the whole, he said. None of the men are seriously injured, thanks to your prompt rescue measures. Captain Larpent is still unconscious, he is suffering from concussion. But I believe he will recover. And, and, uh, he hesitated, looking again at Saltash, the, the person whose life you saved saltash leaned back in his chair grinning mischievously to be sure the person whose life i saved what of that person dr hurst had you a passenger interrupted the captain i understood you saved a cabin-boy pray continue he said lightly what of the cabin-boy none the worse i hope the doctor's lank figure drew together with a stiff movement of distaste i see he said that you are aware of a certain fact which i must admit has given me a somewhat unpleasant surprise saltash turned abruptly to the captain you ask me if i had a passenger he said speaking briefly with a hint of hauteur before you also begin to be unpleasantly surprised let me explain that i had a child on board who did not belong to the ship's company a child captain beaumont looked at him in astonishment i thought-i understood do you mean the boy not a boy no a girl saltash's voice was suddenly very suave he was smiling still but there was something rather formidable about his smile a young girl captain beaumont but amply protected i assure you it was our last night on board she was masquerading in the state cabin in a page's livery when you struck us but for larpent we should have been trapped there like rats when the yacht went down he came and hauled us out and we saved the child between us he turned again to the doctor his teeth gleaming fox-like between his smiling lips really i am sorry to disappoint you he said but the truth is seldom as highly coloured as our unpleasant imaginings the child is Larpent's daughter he rose with the words still suavely smiling and now if she is well enough i am going to ask you to take me to her it will be better for her to hear about her father from me than from a stranger though courteously uttered his words contained a distinct command the doctor looked at him with a hostility born of discomfiture but he raised no protest somehow saltash was invincible at that moment certainly you can see her if you wish he said stiffly in fact she has been asking for you ah said saltash and turned with ceremony to the captain have i your permission to go sir of course of course the captain said i shall hope to see you again later lord saltash thank you said saltash and relaxed into his sudden grin i should have thought you would be glad to get rid of me before my bad luck spreads any further the Corf castle herself slightly damaged was putting back to southampton to land the victims of the disaster and to obtain some necessary repairs the weather was thickening and progress was slow but they expected to arrive before midday saltash carelessly sauntering in the doctor's wake found himself the object of considerable interest on the part of those passengers who were already up in the murk of the early morning he was stopped by several to receive congratulations upon his escape but he refused to be detained for long he had business below he said and the doctor was waiting and so at last he came to a cabin at the end of a long passage at the door of which a kind-faced stewardess met them and exchanged a few words with his guide can i go in said saltash growing impatient the woman looked at him with wonder and compassion in her eyes the poor little thing is very upset she said she lies and trembles and has hardly spoken at all except to ask for you well let me in said saltash suddenly imperious i've got something to tell her he had his way for there was something about him that compelled just then he entered the cabin as a king might enter the apartment of a slave and he shut the door with decision upon those without then for a second just for a second he hesitated toby he said a meagre form sprang upright in the bunk at the sound of his voice two bare skinny arms reached out to him then with a single stride saltash was beside the bunk and was holding tightly to him a small whimpering creature that hid its face very deeply against his breast and clutched at him piteously whenever he sought to raise it saltash bent his dark head over the fair one and spoke very gently yet with authority it's all right child i know i've known all along don't fret yourself there's no need i've got you under my protection you're safe You know." whispered the muffled voice toby's voice but strangely devoid of toby's confidence what must you think i saltash laughed a little i never think i give everyone one always the benefit of the doubt which is considerably more than any one ever gives me and you saved my life gasped toby why did you why did you i wanted it said saltash promptly now listen a moment we've done with this show it's played out we'll bring up on another you've got to change your name again i'm telling everyone you're larpent's daughter that brought the fair head upwards very swiftly the blue eyes with their short black lashes looked straight up to his but but captain larpent oh never mind larpent i'll square him saltash's look flashed over the pale tear-stained face his hold though close no longer compelled leave it all to me don't you fret i'll square larpent i'll square everybody you lie low till they put us ashore after that do you think you can trust me he spoke with comically twisted eyebrows and a smile half kindly and half quizzical and the forlorn little creature in his arms turned with a swooping passionate movement caught one of his hands and pressed it to quivering lips i'll live or die for your sake the trembling voice told him i'm just yours saltash stopped abruptly and laid his face for a moment against the shorn golden head just for that moment a hint of emotion showed in his strange eyes but it was gone instantly he raised himself again with a grimace of self-ridicule well look here don't forget to play the game larpent your daddy is knocked out remember he is unconscious for the present but the doctor chap seems to think he'll be all right a nasty suspicious person that doctor so watch out and let me see what is toby short for i'd better know antoinette whispered the lips that still caressed his hand antoinette saltash's hand closed softly upon the pointed chin softly lifted it i think mignonette would suit you better he said in his quick caressing way it's time I chose a name for you, ma chere. I shall call you that. Or just Nonette of Nowhere, breathed the red lips, piteously smiling. That would suit me best of all. No, no, said Saltash and gently relinquished his hold. Don't forget that you are a favorite of the gods. That counts for something, my Toby. They don't take up with everybody. They haven't done much for me so far, said Toby, suddenly rebellious hush said saltash with semi-comic warning you are too young to say that i am older than you think sir said toby colouring painfully and turning from his look no you're not swiftly with a certain arrogance saltash made answer i know how old you are child it is written in your eyes they have always told me all i need to know then very tenderly as toby's hands covered them from his look Mais, mignonette, they have never told me anything that you could wish me not to know. He slipped his arm again about the slender shoulders and pressed them closely for a moment. Then he stood up and turned to go. He was smiling as he passed out the smile of the gambler who knows that he holds a winning card. End of chapter six and seven. End of part one.